Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sherpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. I hope you enjoy this week's message. Hey, listen, uh, go ahead and turn to Ezra, Ezra chapter 4, all right, Ezra chapter 4. We're going to recap a little bit today what's exactly gone on uh, up until this point, Uh, Ezra chapter 4 is where we're going to be at this week. And there's a really cool lesson in Ezra chapter 4. Like, it's really a neat, neat lesson in Ezra chapter 4. And I think it's one that applies to every one of us. So here's what's happened. In Ezra chapter 1, we found out that there was a, there was, um, a, a, new, ruling, um, a new ruling king that came in from, um, from the Persian kingdom. His name was Cyrus. And we looked at how God was in so much control that he actually told 150 years before Cyrus was king, he told that Cyrus would be king, and here's what he would do. And this was all even before the Israelites had went into captivity. Cyrus was the king. He said, King Cyrus, the, chosen, the person I've chosen, and this guy wasn't even a believer, by the way. He didn't believe in God or anything. He was just a pagan. But God used him, and he used him in order to, to allow those people that wanted to from the Babylonian captivity those people that wanted to, he used them in order to go back to Israel and rebuild the temple. And so in chapter 1, we see that the group has actually moved back to Jerusalem, all right? We then get to chapters 2 and 3, and in chapters 2 and 3, we see that the, the trip took four months, and they've come back, and they have they have begun to lay the foundation of the temple. As a matter of fact, we ended last week with the foundation of the temple being laid and the young people celebrating the foundation and the old people were grumbling and were wailing and crying. And so all at the same time, it's like, it would be like if you had a a, a group of people and this group of people like Georgia and this group of people like Alabama watching the championship game, all you heard was cheering on one side and crying on the other. That's what you heard. And that's exactly the way it was whenever they were laying the foundation. They laid the foundation. Why is that? Well, we looked last week and we saw that whenever he, they laid the foundation, the older people were very upset because it wasn't as quote-unquote grand as it had been the first time. Of course, I told you this. They estimate that the first temple, if it were built today, would cost $8 billion to build, the first temple. So that's why it wasn't as grand. And so the people were upset. Now, we've seen in this situation that God is in full control. That's the first thing we looked at, is that God is in full control, all right? We've also seen that the people came, and they established their homes. They came and established their homes, and then they all came together to begin this project that they had agreed to do once they got there. So then we open up in chapter 4. So everything is rolling well for them. They have a lot of the materials. They have started building the temple. 
And here's what the scripture says, starting in verse 1. The enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were rebuilding a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel. So they approached Zerubbabel and the other leaders and said, Let us build with you, for we will worship your God just as you do. We have sacrificed to him ever since King Ezeradan of Assyria brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, You may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, just as King Cyrus of Persia commanded us. Then the local residents tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work. They bribed agents to work against them and frustrate their plans. This went on during the entire reign of King Cyrus of Persia and lasted until King Darius of Persia took the throne. And then I want you to skip over to the very last verse in the chapter. Verse 24. Here's what's happening between verses 6 and here's what's happening with verse 6 through 23. Verses 6 through 23 Ezra, who's writing this, and he's writing this after the events. Ezra is writing this, and he is telling us the stories of how they were opposed, even in building the the wall around Israel, not just the temple. So he takes a little caveat here, and he says from verse 6 through 23, let me tell you, here's the letters that were sent back and forth whenever we were trying to build the wall, too. And so then in verse 24, he comes back to present time, and he says, So the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem has stopped, and it remained at a standstill until the second year of the reign of King Darius of Persia. What's happened? What happened? They were excited about getting the things of the temple and bringing them back. They were excited about coming back to their old homes and getting those set up. They were excited about getting the work done. They were excited about going and get the lumber from Lebanon and bringing it down and purchasing those things. They were excited so much that they had a huge party and they laid the foundation of the temple. And then all of a sudden, what happened was they faced opposition. And they faced opposition. When they faced opposition, guess what they did? Guess what they did? They quit. They quit. I want to go over something for you. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but it does to me, and I want you to hear this. What happens when you face opposition in your life? Number one, you get tired of living the way you're living and decide you're going to make a change. You make a change and then you make a plan. That's number two. The first few days or the first few weeks, the plan works really well and you get excited and you get motivated. All right? So you're tired of a, a particular area of your life. You decide that you want to make a change. You make a plan, and you start implementing that plan the first three or four, five days, five weeks, whatever, and you're excited and you're motivated. And then after the newness has worn off and after the newness fades, reality begins to set in that this is going to be difficult. And it's at that point when our commitment begins to change and begins to weaken when something, we realize something is going to be difficult, oftentimes we start to weaken our commitment to that particular thing. We do less and less toward that goal. We skip days. 
we stop doing what we know we've been called to do, and then we quit. And when we quit, we leave ourselves worse off than we were before we ever started. And that is the cycle that a lot of us have in our lives. A lot of times, we decide that we're going to make some type of commitment. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's to lose weight. Maybe it's to work out. Maybe it's to be a better coworker. Maybe it's to be a better husband. Maybe it's to be a better wife. Maybe it's to be a better kid, teenager. Maybe it's a school project. Maybe I've decided I'm going to be better in school if I'm a teenager. Maybe I've decided I'm going to be a better worker. I've decided I'm going to be a better parent. Maybe I've decided I'm going to follow Christ more closely, and so I'm going to do these three things. And what happens is, is that we start off excited, and then whenever we realize that it's going to be hard, and we realize that there may be opposition to us, that it's not all going to be a a cupcake walk, all right? Whenever we realize there's going to be opposition, what we do oftentimes is we begin slowly to fade until we finally just quit. And we end up, we end up being worse off than we were before we ever started. Because now, in your own mind, you think not only are you in the situation you're in that you weren't happy with to begin with, but in addition to that, now you've tried and you've quote-unquote failed And now not only are you in that situation, but you're a failed person in that situation. And that's how you look at yourself. And that's how you think other people look at you too. And that's exactly what's happened in this situation. In the situation that we're looking at in the scripture today, that's exactly where they found themselves. They found themselves in a situation where whenever the going got tough, they quit When the going got tough, they quit. And you know why they quit? Because of this. They thought, just like we think oftentimes, that if it's of God, it's supposed to be easy. Let me clue you in on something. That's baloney. Because I can tell you this. Being married is of God, but it ain't easy. Is it? It's not. It's not. It's not at all. Being a parent is of God, but it ain't easy. It's not. There, I could, I could, can you on and on and on and on and on? Standing up for your faith whenever the society is telling you something different is of God, but it ain't easy. I've personally lost friends over it in the last year. It's not easy. Can I tell you something, a little nugget here? Do you know why whenever the other people from around, that may have seemed kind of harsh to you guys. You guys may have said, well, Zerubbabel, why are you guys not wanting these people to worship with you? They're trying to help. No, they weren't. Those people, those people, let me tell you, and I know this will sound very familiar to you. Those people, they came and they claimed to worship the same God that Zerubbabel and them did, but they didn't. What they did is they had a little bit of the real God, and then they had all of these other false gods. You know what I mean? And they, all, they believed all of it. They were universalist. Oh, yeah, you, wanna, you want this speaker to, to be the God? Yeah, I don't care. That's good. I, whatever you want to believe, brother, is okay with you. And the people that were building the temple would have nothing of it. So what does that tell you? Let me tell you what it tells you. 
whenever you stand up for your faith, people are going to come against you. When you stand up for what's right, people are going to come against you. And they're going to tell you you're judging them. It's so funny when I hear people say, oh, you're judging them. I just say this. I'm like, listen, I'm not judging them. What I'm telling you is this. If they continue with that behavior, they cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus. Now, if they don't claim to be a follower of Jesus, I don't care what they do. I wish they didn't do it. I wish they were better people. I wish they would have God's best in mind. But if, if they don't claim to be a follower of Jesus, I don't care who they marry. I don't care. Huh? Just don't claim to be a follower of Jesus and want to do all these other things that the scripture clearly calls a sin. That's what the people who came and wanted to help out, they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll help you guys out. Yeah, we'll help you guys out. And they said, no, no, we don't want any part of that. And because of that, they got lambasted. And then they did the wrong thing. They quit. And a lot of us quit too. Here's the truth. If we will decide not to quit, if we will decide not to quit, what you're going to find out is this. You're going to find out that the very thing that you thought was impossible and difficult and hard, even as you're going through it, you're going to find out that it's during the lowest times, the toughest times, the hardest times, that is when God teaches you the most. Are you with me? When have you learned the most? When have you been spiritually taught the most? I can tell you it's probably not on Sunday morning in here. All right? It's probably on Saturday evening whenever you're on your hands and knees wondering what God's trying to do here, what God's trying to do there, and you begin to see some light coming in on this situation or that situation or this situation. That's how God walks with you. That's how he walks you through things. All right? I can tell you this. I never was closer to God than I was when the tornado hit. Never. I was never closer to God than whenever my father passed away, and I had three days in the hospital sitting there waiting for him to die off of a ventilator. I was never closer to God. I was never closer to God than when I faced challenges in Haiti and whenever I was in South America and Europe doing all kinds of mission work. I've never been closer to God whenever there was something brought against me. Never. Why is that? Well, because God's, God's faithful. The only thing is, though, is that we live in a society today that says everything should come easy. And I don't want to get on a soapbox, but it's true. Everything should come easy, and everybody should get a, a participation award. And everyone, everyone should make themselves feel better because they tried. The truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, is that life is hard. And the sooner you realize that, the better you're going to be. And it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not. Life is tough. The only difference is, is that we have someone that will guide and direct us and protect us and walk us through our tough times. But tough times are going to come anyway. And I want to encourage you today not to quit. That's exactly what the people did here. They quit. I want to ask you a question. Tell me one thing you're proud of. Tell me one thing you're proud of in your life that was easy. Tell me one thing you're proud of in your life. I'm talking about I am so proud of this. Tell me one thing you're proud of in your life that was easy. Tell me one thing that came so easy to you and you're so proud of. Can I tell you something? You're not going to find it. If you're a newlywed, you may say, well, I got married. That was easy. Listen, any two idiots can get married. <laughs> Talk to me in 40 years when families have died and when kids have caused you to lose all your hair and, uh, and on and on and on. 
Name one thing, name one thing for me that, 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 that you're proud of that wasn't tough. You're not going to be able to do it. You know why? Because those are the things that God uses to grow our character and to grow us. And that's exactly what he was trying to do with these people. And these people quit on God. And here's the second thing I want you to know this. Whenever you're going to begin again, you have to take inventory of your life, all right? I don't know about you guys, but for me, and this is a sad statement, but for me, I've noticed any time, any time that I was not doing what I knew God wanted me to do, God made my life miserable. Has anybody ever had that happen to them? Whenever you know you're not doing, like you know God told you to do something and you didn't do it, and then you went the opposite way, and you know what God does? He makes your life miserable, all right? Miserable. Here's what, I don't know if you guys know this or not, and I'm going to have, I'll have it up on the screen. There's a prophet named Haggai. Haggai is a prophet in the Old Testament, and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but his, the book of Haggai was a direct letter, a direct prophecy, a direct command from God through Haggai to Zerubbabel about this very situation. That's what the book of Haggai is. It's about this situation, and here's what he says. On the 20, August, this is in Haggai 1.1. We have it up there. On August 29th, the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message to the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and Jeshua, son of Zehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The, the people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. These are the same people that we just read about that were celebrating and partying because it was time to build the house of the Lord. The time has not come to build the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruin? That is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what is happening to you. You've planted much but have harvested very little. You eat but are not satisfied. You drink but are still thirsty. You put on clothes but you can't keep warm. It sounded like me this week. Um, your wages disappear as though you were putting them into pockets filled with holes. What is he saying here? What he's saying is this. He's saying, listen, I got news for you. You guys have stopped doing this out of fear and you've quit and you've gone back to your houses, but I want you to do something. Take an inventory of your houses. Take an inventory of how your life is right now. What's going on in your life? You're planting a bunch of stuff, but you're not getting very much harvest. You, are, you, are, you're, you have clothes on, but you can't get warm. You have just all kinds of stuff that's going on. It's like when you put money in your pocket, you got holes in your pocket, it's falling right out the bottom. So it appears as if you've got everything going okay, but the foundation of your life is ruined. Why? Because you quit. Because you quit on what God wanted you to do. And so Haggai's saying, what he's saying is this, get your tail back and do what God told you to do. That's exactly what he's saying. I want you to know something about God. He loves you enough to do this. He'll frustrate your life if you aren't obeying him. If you've walked with Christ, he will frustrate your life until you obey him. If you wonder why your life isn't going as great as it could be, since you decided not to do that thing or this thing, I want to tell you something. That's God. He's frustrating your life. Why? Because he knows what's best for you, and he loves you, 
and he wants the best that he has for you. He, he has something important for you, and he wants that best for you. And if you're not going to listen to him, he's going to frustrate your life until you listen to him. He's not going to let you bear all these fruits. He's not going to let you have these great crops. He's not going to let you have all this abundance. He's not going to let you have all that. Oh, you may try and think you have it, but it's not going to fulfill you in any way. Only he can fulfill you the way you need. Don't believe me? Ever heard of a guy named Jonah? Ever heard of Jonah? Go to Nineveh. Okay, I'll go right to Nineveh. Opposite way. He got in so bad that a group of guys on the ship said, I don't know who's causing all the mess, but he got to go. They threw him overboard. Ended up as whale puke. How about that one? Oh, you want a New Testament example? Ever heard of the prodigal son? Prodigal son, what does he do? Got a great dad, got a, walked closely with his father, goes to his dad and said, Dad, I know you're not dead yet, but I'm going to pretend like you're dead. Can I get a third? And his dad said, sure, you can get a third. He got a third. He went off. He thought he was going to have the best time ever, didn't he? <coughs> and what happened? He lost it all. Famine came. Pigs were eating better than he was. God will do that to us. Take an inventory of your life right now. Are there things in your life that's being frustrated because God's like, mm-mm, not going to happen. Not going to happen. I, wanna know, I want you to know something, and I want you to hear this, and this may be something you want to write down. I, maybe I should have told Lynn to put it on the slides, but I want you to hear this. Good and godly habits are hard at first, but they are easy to live with in the long run. Good and godly habits are hard at first, but they are easy to live with in the long run. Bad habits are easy at first, but they are hard to live with in the long run. Good and godly habits are very difficult at first. Obeying God is very difficult at first, but they are very easy to live with in the long run. Not obeying God, bad habits are very easy at first. But they are difficult to live with in the long run. The final thing I want to tell you is this. To begin again, you have to go back to the original thing that God told you to do. Go back to the original thing that God told you to do. A lot of people are like, oh, Barry, I'm so, I'm so far away from God. I just don't know where to start. Well, here's what I would tell you to do. Go back to the last thing that God told you. All right, whatever that is, whatever. For me, when I get frustrated, when I get down, depressed, whatever you want to call it, when I get frustrated and I want to go off, to, off, off the page a little bit, if I'm going to do this, the last thing God told me to do is to plant real church, and that's what I'm doing. And I'm not going to do anything else until he tells me to do something else. He told me, plant this church, and that's exactly what I'm doing. What is the last thing that God told you to do? Now, you may think, well, that's kind of weird. No, it's not. You do the same thing with your kids. You do. Here's what you do. You tell your kid to do something. Your kid does it halfway and quits and then goes out and starts shooting basketball or goes plays in the yard. And you, as the great mom and dad you are, open the door and scream as loud as you can, son, you get back in here and you go right back to what I told you to do and on and on and on, right? 
Now, I don't know that God yells at us like that, okay? But that's exactly what we do as parents. And that's exactly what God wants you to do as well. Partial obedience is no obedience at all. I want to say that again. Partial obedience is no obedience at all. God wants all of it. And so now, through a prophet, Haggai, God has sent someone to tell Zerubbabel, the construction guy. He sent him to tell Zerubbabel and Jeshua, the religious guy. Zerubbabel is the construction, Jeshua is religious. Go back and do exactly what I said to do. Go back and be obedient. I don't care what kind of opposition you're going to get. I don't care what kind of drama you have coming your way. I don't care. I want you to go back and I want you to do exactly what I ask you to do. Do we have Haggai uh, 1, 7, and 8 up there, Lynn? Can we pull that up there? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you now. And here's the thing that us parents do. Now, go up in the hills, bring down the timber, and rebuild my house. That's what he says. Go up in the hills, grab the timber, and bring it down, and rebuild my house. Then I'll take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Hey, guys, listen. I am so fearful of our kids today that we are raising a generation of quitters. And we are raising a generation of of feel-goods that whenever they get into society, that not only are they not going to um, represent Christ well, but they're not going to represent your last name well either. And I want to tell you something. It's your responsibility as a parent and my responsibility as a parent and a pastor to tell you and them the truth. And the truth is, is that life is hard and that they will get nowhere by quitting because the person doing the job interview, when they get to be 22 and 23, doesn't care about a participation trophy. And they don't care about whether or not your son or daughter has self-esteem. What they care about is, is are you going to be someone that's going to finish the job that's been assigned, and are you going to do it with excellence? And that's exactly, that's exactly what, that's exactly what God is saying to these people. And if God will say it to these people, because he's the father, we need to say it to our kids. And we are doing them a disservice by allowing them to think that they can get by or make it when they have a quitter's attitude. I don't know whether to huddle everybody up and say go or what, but uh, I'm feeling like a football coach up here, but I'm just being honest with you and telling you, from someone who has seen thousands of students that have come through ministry, I can tell you, you can pick out the ones that are probably not going to make it. Don't do your kids a disservice. Don't do yourself a disservice by accepting quitting when you face opposition and when the going gets tough. Stand up and do exactly what you know God is calling you to do. 
And when you face, here's the thing, final thing. When you face opposition, it's okay to be frustrated. That's what I get paid to do, y'all. Call me. That's what all these people in here look around. That's what they get. They get that's why we're called the body. We lift everybody else up. We build other people up when you're going through your tough time. But don't settle. And don't allow your kids to settle for the, the less than 100% of what God has for them. And I promise you, if you won't allow yourself to quit, if you'll keep pushing the gas, even though you feel like you're out of gas, God will come in and he will do supernatural things in your life and you will be blown away by the end product. I think that's the message from Ezra chapter 4. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for your word and thank you so much that the wisdom, the deep-seated wisdom that's found in your word. Thank you, Lord, for, um, for God, just a, a, a simple message of do not quit. Gosh, we need to hear that so bad today. We need to hear it so bad that when the going gets tough that we, we not quit. Whenever, whenever we face opposition that we not quit. Whenever we decide we're going to maybe get out of debt and we face the transmission falling out that, no, I'm not going to do that just because of that. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on doing the right thing even though it's hard. God, I just pray that you would let us be people that do not quit when the going gets tough. Lord, I just love you, and I thank you, and I praise you, and I ask that you would bless the people here. And I pray that you would be with them as they, literally, as they run the rapids of this Holy Spirit-driven life that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our altar is always open. You're more than welcome to come. I invite you to stand and sing our our final song today. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.